I can see you out there, Cam. I've talked to like 19 basketball people in three hours. Arizona Sports. Our son's mega mind. Kellen Olsen joining Wolf and Luke to talk about the Phoenix Suns. Now. Kellen Olsen is here. Everybody get excited. I would advise you pull over if you're driving right now. And <laughs> sit on the side of the road and listen for the next 10 minutes. The whole point is we get them through the commute. We don't lengthen their commute. Oh, yeah. Come on, Luke. What are you doing? To everybody else, when you see people pulling over because they're listening to Kellen Olsen, now's your chance to go. (laughs) That's right. Kellen's getting ready to riff. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Kellen. um, How you doing, buddy? Great. Are you wearing a hoodie in what feels like July? It's mid-October. We have to make a stand. It's been too long. I have to be in a hoodie at some point after September. All right. I don't care that it's 90 degrees out right now. I've had enough. It was 70 in the morning. That was enough for me to put it on. Wait a minute. Are are you one of these guys you get chilly? You get chilly from No, I just just like being comfortable. And a hoodie is the most comfortable wear of clothing that we can socially wear that's, like, acceptable. Like, if I wear shorts at a game, I get dirty looks everywhere, and I've never done that before. But if I wear a hoodie... I can get away with it, so it's comfy. Yeah. yeah. Well, Why can't we all just dress to be comfy? Is that okay? I did turn the air down to three degrees in the studio, so Kellen actually looks like a genius right Sweatpants now. Sweatpants Wednesdays. <laughs> Who's in at the office? I think most of uh, Come on. I think the entire country was doing that two years ago. All right, Kellen. Um, let's start here with the Suns in the season that's coming up. Wolf and I were just talking about this about an hour ago. Uh, I still have high expectations and hopes for this team, but I am a little concerned about the depth, and I know that's something that can be addressed after the season begins, but where are you just specifically on how deep this year's team is compared to last year and the year before? I think even looking back at last year's team, there were some areas where you thought they could make some additions. And the fact that they didn't make additions and then also just lost a little bit of their depth as, as well without really replacing it is is concerning. I, I do think that the pieces are there and I can see the logic behind what they're trying to do because if you get the campaign, I don't even want to say the campaign from two years ago because two years ago he was arguably the best backup point guard in the league. They do not make the NBA Finals without campaign. Everyone mm-hmm. remembers those first two games in the Western Conference Finals. The second one in particular, everyone's going to remember the value but they should remember the way that he played. It was in my opinion one of the best like individual postseason performances in Suns history just based on the context he's filling in for Chris freaking Paul in the Western Conference Finals he was amazing last year he struggled a bit more I have a story up on ArizonaSports.com about him right now that kind of went through reasons to be maybe more optimistic than you thought given the way that he played so if you get the campaign closer to two years ago than a year ago and then you don't have the Landry Shaman that you did last year which I I think Landry gave a bad first impression to a lot of Suns fans because that was the worst year of his career so far but previously he was a he was a competent rotation player to say the least and there's some upside for him to be more but but even if those two guys are going you kind of look at this depth that they have right now and you kind of wonder where the extra offense comes from and I think that was something that a lot of us had at the top of our wish list for them going into the offseason and they didn't really add anything to it that's where you look at the Jay Crowder situation going on right now and you wonder if they're going to be able to add someone who can help them on the offensive end a bit but, but they do have competent pieces like it's not to downplay the chances of Damian Lee, Josh Okoji, Jock Landale being guys who can contribute to winning consistently in the regular season, but you just worry about when they run into these problems in the postseason again. Like, can campaign and Landry Shamit carry a regular season offense off, off the bench? I do think that they can to a certain extent, but once you get to the postseason, that's where it gets a lot more challenging, and that's where the concerns start to come in for me. So, how about James Jones in regard to Jay Crowder and whether or not Jay Crowder is going to be here? Do you think James Jones, Keller, let me, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Do you think James Jones 
might be hoping somehow, some way, Jay Crowder has a change of mind and comes back and plays? Man, I'm not sure. I think this is the old toothpaste, and once it comes out, you know, you can't put it back in. I do think it's kind of one of those situations. I I think Jay's had a really close bond with this team over the last two years, and his teammates specifically. That's something Wolf, they came up with DeAndre, too, during this whole thing over the last like month, and people saying, like, is he going to play hard when him and Monty aren't talking? And by the way, Dwayne Rankin clarified, spoke with him one-on-one, they are talking now. But to that point, DeAndre cares so much about playing for his teammates, and he's got really close bonds with those guys that it, I was never questioning the way that he was going to play on the court for those guys at all because he's playing for them and himself more than anyone else. So I, for that, See, that point— that worries me, killer. That it does? Worries me. Yeah, it does worry me. When a guy, I, I, when a guy says, I'm going to play for my teammates, it does worry me. I can see that. With with Jay specifically, though, I, I do wonder if that's where we're stretching a bit too much, and I honestly think that we are. The, the holdup here is that James Jones and his philosophies, from what we've been able to understand from them, at least from afar, is that that depth that we're talking about, so many teams in this situation the Suns are in right now would just trade Jay Crowder for two second-round picks or a late protected first-round pick and a salary dump or whatever. That is not what this team is going to do. They want to get a rotation player back, and if you go back to Gambo's reporting about Boyan, Bogdanovich to get Boyan Bogdanovich, the Suns had to give up two mid-level salaries to reach that, and that would have been giving up two rotation players for one. And then Gambo reported they wanted Jared Vanderbilt back as well because you want that equal swap back. You don't want to lose even more depth. And I think that's really what's holding them up right now is just finding the right deal because the teams that want Jay Crowder are teams that want to be deep. So they don't they don't want to give up an additional sort of player for that, but James Jones is kind of waiting right now and trying to get that right deal. And it, the longer they have to wait, it, I don't want to say it's a problem because I don't think it is. But once we get to January, it's like okay, now now we've waited a couple of months, and you're you're wondering if it's going to happen at that point. Uh, we're talking to Kellen Olson, of course. There's a, a story up on ArizonaSports.com referencing that Yahoo report that said the Suns were looking at Jordan Clarkson or KJ Martin as uh, as possible Jay Crowder replacements, I guess at least depth wise. What do you think of those two names, both in terms of how they would fit Kellen and how feasible getting somebody like that would be? Because with Utah, I keep coming back to why would they want Jay Crowder unless they're going to swing him in another trade for a pick. Yeah, kind of like the way Detroit got Bogdanovich and you just kind of assume he's going to leave there by the trade deadline, but he's there to help a young team. So maybe that's what they would want to see in Jay. But Clarkson is interesting to discuss, at least, because he's not really a Suns type of player with the way that he plays. He's a very ball-dominant scorer. But with that being said, the way that he can score the ball, albeit inefficiently with wild shot selection, not even at times, you know, I say like, at times it's kind of this. It's it's mostly wild shot selection (laughs) at all times. It mostly is like all times compared to at times. It's more all times than at times with Jordan Clarkson. <laughs> but he can really score the ball, and he has those. We've seen those guys in the sport over the years, guys, where they just get hot for you on that night. You really need it, and he does that time after time for all the teams he's been on over the years. And that's the kind of offensive pot that we've been talking about. So I think it's something that has to at least be discussed. I'm not sure if it's exactly the guy that they need. KJ Martin's really interesting. He, he's a very hyper athletic player, and that's something my podcast co-host Kevin Zerman has brought up time after time with this team is just lacking those high end athletes, and KJ Martin is one of them. He's a great rebounder, which is something Monty Williams wants, and he's a he's a good defender as well, and is kind of finding his his niche right now in terms of how he becomes a, an effective offensive player in his role. But he's he's interesting as well. I, again, I just go to Houston though, and I just wonder, okay, like how, would they want Jay Crowder exactly? Would they be able to flip him later if James Jones is having this much trouble dealing him now? How confident are you that you're going to be able to flip him later? It's it's a tightrope they're walking right now. So in the next coming week here, do you think they get a deal done? Do you think there's any moves from James? Jones. 
I don't think so because the timing is is the problem, Wolf. If if this was, and I'm not sure when this exactly started in terms of trying to look for a new home for him, but if this would have been done around the draft when these teams' rosters didn't even really exist yet, they didn't even know what their teams looked like, it would have been a lot easier to deal him. But now everyone's roster is complete, and the majority of the teams around the league are like, yeah, we like our team right now. Yeah. And most of those are really good teams. Now the bad teams, they probably don't like their roster as much, but they're not looking to give something up for Jay Crowder in that kind of situation. So I think that you have to wait six to eight weeks here probably to really see which teams start to fall off, which team has a significant injury. That's where you look at one of those big-time contenders, and if they lose their starting power forward for the next three months, they look at that Jay Crowder talk they had two months ago, and they're like, oh man, okay, we need to jump back into that. We really need this guy. We're trying to win a championship this year. That's kind of the change that you're looking for in some of maybe the more high-end targets, like two guys that have been brought up a lot and someone I've brought up over the summer are Harrison Barnes and Kyle Kuzma. The Kings, like if they start to go south, if the Wizards start to go south, those are two power forwards with with real offense that could help them. Kellen, next time you're here, I'm going to wear a hoodie. As long as I know that you're going to be here ahead of so time. So cool. Cool, man. start this movement. It's going to hey, be great. I'm Except more... for the color. It's a little soft. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's that's rough. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Hey, at least I feel comfortable it's, it's in my hoodie while I'm getting assaulted it's, it's, about my would you, hoodie. It's, it's wow. mint or something. Out of all like six that, hosts, Wolf, it? it had to be you. I'm so sad right now. <laughs> the one, the one host he respects, and look what happens. Oh, Kellen, thanks a lot, man. We'll have you back. Thanks, guys. Shortly. All right, when we come back. Kyler Murray has spoken after practice. How is he feeling about the Cardinals as they head into Seattle for week six? That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. We like to do this on Wednesdays because Wednesday is the day that Kyler Murray speaks right after practice. We like to uh, turn around the audio for you as quickly as possible. And thanks to Command and Control back there, uh, of course, Aaron Maloney and Rick getting it done. We have some Kyler audio from practice today, Wolf. So I'm just going to start firing some of this off. Obviously, I haven't heard it because I've been sitting here talking to you. Yeah. So we're going to react here in real time. Uh, they asked Kyler, let's start with this. How did the walkthrough go today? Yeah, I thought it was very productive. Uh, energy was great. Um, you know, attention to detail, uh, all of that. It was, it was, everybody was locked in. It was pretty good. Uh, can you get everything out of a walk? through that you get in a normal practice? Yeah, you definitely can. Um, you know, again, it goes, it all goes to attention to detail. Um, if guys know what they're doing, I, th- I think guys would rather um, in a sense do a walkthrough rather than, you know, go full speed and not have a clue what's going on. So, um, gotta, gotta hone in on the details before we can, you know, go full speed and that's, you know, that's for any practice, but yeah. Yeah, you know what a walkthrough really is. It's so important to get that done. Um, I don't believe you get better uh, from a walkthrough, but I will tell you right now, mentally, you can button up a lot of stuff. And I guess ultimately, yeah, it it gives you confidence if, in fact, you know what it is that you're doing in a walkthrough. I guess, yeah. So maybe I will change my answer on that one and say, yeah, you can get better because you got to know what to do before you can actually do it. Did you just change your answer in the span did, of like five fact, seconds? I just totally contradicted myself. <laughs> yeah, I said, you just argued with I yourself. I heard it come out. I heard it come out of my mouth, <laughs> and I said, wait a minute. You actually can get better, because if you don't know what to do, you're not going to be confident. Trust me on that one. Oh, my goodness. The look on some guy's faces when a quarterback would call a play, and you could just see it. They didn't know. They didn't know what they were supposed to do. And all of a sudden, you know what? Some guys would they'd play it off and they'd just go out there and say, you know what, okay, I'm going to take it. Fake it you make it. it. Exactly. Isn't that what Josh other, Rosen used to and say? And other guys would say, what, what do I do on that? What do you, 
you know, and the quarterback would tell him for the most part. But, you know, it's a situation where if you don't know what to do, you you can't be successful. That is what Josh Rosen used to say. I remember him saying it at practice one time. And I thought what? he was just kind of joking oh, around, no. fake it till you make it. Oh, no. No, he didn't say that. He, no, he, he didn't. He wasn't, like, talking about his whole career, but he said Josh Rosen had a... a a pretty sarcastic sense of humor, if you will recall. Yeah, he did say I, that I did. very early in his career. That, and yeah. now, in retrospect, it doesn't look as great. Uh, more from Kyler Murray. They asked him, okay, about the walkthrough. Could that maybe get this team a reset that they need on offense? What's the, what's the infatuation with the walkthrough? <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, it's just walkthrough. I think, uh, I think Coach is trying to take care of our bodies because we got two games in whatever, nine days, they said. Um, me personally, you know, I don't get hit during practice, so it's... Uh, I mean, I, I I try to you know take every rep like it's a game rep, so um, really no difference for me, uh, you know, as much as the you know the linemen and stuff, people banging up against each other. So uh, I understand it. Yeah, he just said two games in nine days. Obviously, talking from now, but do yeah. do just be aware of that as a Cardinals fan when they play on Sunday. That's the start of two games in five days with the game on Thursday coming up. Yeah. So right now, good point yeah. by you. Good safety yeah. tip. It's about I'm all about. Uh, he was here. What's the point with the fascination on the walkthrough? <laughs> right there. Um, they should have asked him twelve more questions about the walkthrough. After that. <laughs> so, how would you define a walkthrough? <laughs> yeah. Um, look, it's a situation right now where I think a lot of people are wondering. Well, did you guys put on the pads and actually start hammering each other? Right. I mean, I, you're sitting here at two and three. Uh, did somebody go out there and actually have a physical arm Somebody practice? hit somebody. Today is the first day of real hitting. <laughs> full pads, full contact. <laughs> the day's highlight is the Oklahoma drill. Football at its most fundamental. You know, Football at its best. I know this is not how Hard Knocks works. I know Leif Schreiber doesn't walk around narrating things live. I know he obviously does that in post-production. But with Hard Knocks coming here for the Cardinals, I really just want to see him walking around narrating practice as it Yeah, happens. right. Probably not going to happen. Do you know how many fights actually happened because of Oklahoma drill? Uh, <laughs> okay, what? Well, Oklahoma, are, are you familiar with this, my brothers? You know what I'm talking about, Oklahoma <laughs> drill? once or twice. Where, once again, it's, it's one man against another man, and everyone is watching. Everyone. I, I've done Oklahoma drills where the entire team circles around you and watches you. Think about that, coaches. <laughs> and you got front office personnel. You got everybody. Oh, my goodness. Every, like parents, families, I, everybody no, just no, lining up watching. No, I'm saying everybody. I'm talking about at the NFL level. But you have said Oklahoma. in the past, though, I mean, you the fans could see it, too. It's not like you're, like, off in the corner oh, of practice. No, where they're like, no. yeah, there's no hiding in the oh, Oklahoma yeah, no, in, the, in training camp, the way that it used to be, can you imagine? Especially when you would practice against another team. Mm. Now, all of a sudden, I don't know you. I don't know who you are. I have no contact with you whatsoever. For all I know, they lock you in a closet and sl- slide food under the door to you, and then they let you out for practice. You said that to me when you're, we did our first show. Yeah, you are a diabolical human being and that's the way I wanted to see you <laughs> because I wanted to be able to try to kill you metaphorically speaking of course uh, more from Kyler here um, and this is not about the walkthrough or the Oklahoma drill they asked him okay DeAndre Hopkins back in the facility what's that like yeah every time I see him I've got a big smile on my face he's got a big smile just you know having 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 him around um, no understanding how much he loves it how much he misses it 
um, you know, he, he's uh, he's he's a leader of our team. He's one of the leaders, um, and he's uh, we, like I said, we, we can't wait to have him back. And uh, on Man. what it's like to throw to DeAndre Hopkins, what he's able to do for the offense. I mean, he's he's just one of a kind. You know, he's uh, he's got really long arms. Obviously, he wears like you know quadruple X XL you know gloves. Um, he, he's got a canny ability just to uh, make the spectacular catches with guys on him um, or uncanny. But um, he's yeah, he's just, he's one of the best to ever do it. You know, so to play with a guy like him. You just feel confident, you know, no matter who's on him, uh, give him a chance. And, and, you know, he most of the time he comes out with the ball. Dan, he also clears up a lot of the secondary for Kyler Murray. He does. DeAndre Hopkins is that good. That's why it's going to be really, really interesting to see what happens when Hollywood Brown is out there and D-Hop. <laughs> you can't do it, man. You, you, you can't bracket both of those guys. Well, you could. Yeah, you could. Um... But that's really going to limit everything else. And who are you going to put on Zach Ertz when you do that? Yeah, that's a good point because, and I've said this this week, and it's even been longer than this week, really. I'm a little nervous with the whole, like, hey, when week seven comes around, the Cardinals, everything's fine. Right. But they didn't have Hollywood Brown last year when they had DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. And, and look, I get it. DeAndre Hopkins' numbers were actually better the year before, but it's not just his numbers with him. It's what he does for everybody else around Amen. him simply by existing on the yes. field. And to see what this offense can do with DeAndre Hopkins, but also what Hollywood Brown can do with Hopkins, he's never had a guy like that as a teammate at the NFL level. Uh, to see what Zach Ertz can do with Hollywood Brown and DeAndre Hopkins as teammates, we haven't seen that yet. And if they allow Rondale Moore to actually run forward instead of just sideways behind the line of scrimmage, what can he do with those three guys out there with him? Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's just get through this game Thursday night against the, against the Saints. That's all I care about. I now. love that. You broke that down beautifully, dude. Uh, Texas here thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Is the Suns championship window still open? Is it starting to close? One major publication thinks maybe it is. That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. All right, welcome back to the show. We are a week away from the start of the NBA season for the Suns. Wolf, in fact, the actual NBA season starts the day before, I believe. Um, story out on the Athletic, they're going through the preview and all the teams. John Hollinger previewing the Phoenix Suns. And it's got an interesting tone to it. This team won 64 games last year. They were winning at a 58-game pace the year before. Remember, the year before was a slightly shorter season. Their over-under for wins this season is 52 and a half. So that's well below, really, with, uh, way below what they did last year, and even yeah. well below the, their pace the year before. He has them pegged at about 50. He, um, You could tell, at least just the tone of the, the piece that he writes, is he still thinks this team has a shot, but he just is confused by some of their... Um, lack of, of, of willingness to go all in, I guess, yeah. is the best way to put it over this offseason. And I think a lot of that has got to do with, you know, who's going to come in and back up Chris Paul. I think yeah. a lot of that has got to do with that. And I would say at that, at that particular time, whoever was saying that, I would say, you know, a campaign, that's who's going to do that. And I, I have not given up on campaign. I know there's a lot of people out there, a lot of Suns fans that really got soured on campaign based on how he played last year. But for me right now, I will tell you, I expect campaign to play well. 
Well, there's that. And, and Kellen, when he was in here a couple segments ago, did bring up what, what is a fair point, even though it probably doesn't seem this way to us in the Valley. Last year was probably Landry Shamit's worst year as a pro. Kellen brought that up. Yeah, that's it was. All, that's yeah. all we've seen. I mean, we've, you'd see him play for Brooklyn, but you're not emotionally invested, so it's a little bit different. So when you are emotionally invested in a player and he has his worst year, you, you kind of don't necessarily value him as high as maybe he should be. Now, look, I got to see it from Landry Shamit in the Suns uniform. Yeah. And I got to see it from campaign because yep. as, as much as I believe what he did two years ago was real, and Kellen's right about this too, we were talking about it even before that, they probably don't get it's the NBA Finals without campaign two years ago. That right now is the outlier of his career. Yes. So he's got to make it so we all believe last season is the outlier of this part of his career. You know what I mean? Yes. Because up to that point, he was just bouncing around before he, he was good here. Yeah. You know, I have the Suns. Do you think the Suns have peaked? Do you think they have? Because I, you know my answer. I, I, I think they have. Yeah. They're going to have to prove it to me. Otherwise, is there anything wrong with that? Is there is there anything wrong in saying, hey, you know what? Prove it. As a professional athlete, you should say, man, you're going to give me the opportunity to prove it to you, right? You're going to give me that opportunity. Because we are good. We do have a lot of good pieces. We are going to be a winning team. There's no doubt about that. We're going to be a team that that is going to make some noise in the regular season. Are you going to be a team that will make some noise when the postseason comes rolling around? Well, I mean, to answer your question of if they have peaked or not, I, I do think they have a chance to win the title this year. I think it's ridiculous to not look around the Western Conference and say, okay, some teams got better. And the Suns right now have not gotten better. Um, you got to on see. On paper. On paper, yeah. Uh, if, if you are. If you are holding on to the thought that they have not yet peaked, to me, you're holding on to the thought that Devin Booker can still get better, DeAndre Ayton will still get better, and that Cam Johnson will do it too. Cam Johnson's also got to get better. And and that's that's those are realistic things. We we see <laughs> the, the room DA has to improve. Devin Booker, I said this earlier, at a certain point, it's probably not fair to keep asking him to get better, but he does keep getting better yes, every year. he does. So I'm hesitant to say they have peaked because that makes it sound like it's all downhill from here. But I feel like there's still something else that needs to happen with this roster. Yes. Okay, for for me, when I look at the roster of the Phoenix Suns, based on Orleans, I feel like this team has peaked. And they're coming down right now. And the reason why I say that is because if you're going to get the DeAndre Ayton, we all expect, and he's a good player. Hear me well on this. I think he's a good player. Yet at the same time, if he played with any type of physicality, the one thing you hear Monty Williams say to him all the time is what? Play with force. Mm -hmm. Play with force. They want him to play with force. Not just be there. They want him to do it. To actually show up and be physical and play with force. Well, this is how whatever this is how he does. Far it's gotten. I mean, if 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 Da went out there and just ran through a guy or dunked so hard that he got like a technical foul or a flagrant yeah. foul or he got tossed out of a game for being too physical, they'd probably be like, "All right, that's what we wanted to see. Yeah. Go ahead, we'll sacrifice oh, you for the last goodness. fifteen minutes of this game. You know, don't do it in Game Seven of the Western Conference Finals yeah. if it's going to get tossed." But he could get. Cost for being too physical, and I guarantee you, Monty Williams, Chris Paul, oh, probably look goodness. at each other and kind of smile. Yes. All right. Good. Here we go. So, if you just got that, if you got Da playing with force, and and campaign returns to the campaign that we all know we saw two years ago, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good right there. I think they will 
have a chance to compete for a title if those two things happen. So let me ask you about this because I know you wanted to talk about it again. The, the start of the uh, the athletic piece reads, their record tells one thing, the vibes say quite another. And then they kind of go through, okay, on the surface, the sun should be uh, you know, really good. They're coming off a 64-win se- season. But um, it says, instead, things seem headed in a different direction going into the 2022-23 season. Between the Game 7 meltdown against Dallas, the seeming standoff between the organization and center DeAndre Ayton, and Jay Crowder's absence from the team while they seek a trade, the Suns don't exactly enter the season in a happy place. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I'm glad you went back to that. Because, um, you know what? That's exactly what I think they want to see happen with DeAndre Ayton. Get out of a happy place. Okay, how about, how about you understand that it takes a certain amount of intensity to actually play and play your position well, to use all of your gifts, all of your talent. You have to go out with an intent to want to go out there and better the man that is going to be in front of you. That is going to be the challenge I, 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 listen, I wasn't alone on this. When I say this to you, please understand, my brothers, I was not alone. I was not the only player that felt this way. But it was a test every time I stepped in between those white lines. It was a test. It wasn't a game, man. We're out there playing a game. This is no game. I know that there are other guys in the NFL that have over the years, so many, so many other guys that have felt the exact same way. If And it's not just the NFL, because if it happens there, it happens in between the lines on the NBA floor as well, or on the ice. It happens in between the, the white lines, in between the diamond, right? Um, it happens, Luke. You, you have to have this driving desire to go out and prove your own worth. And if DeAndre Ayton just would adopt that alone, it would change everything about his game. Everything. Uh, there's more of this I want to read. We're going to hit the break. So I'm going to switch it up and just read the last uh, couple lines from the athletic preview. Wolf, uh, it talks about, you know, all the good with this team. It says, instead, the Suns feel like they're stuck with an uneasy truce until the Aiton and Crowder situations resolve with the backdrop of the ownership question, adding another layer of uncertainty. There's too much talent here to miss the playoffs, but I have a hard time imagining anything close to 64 wins is on the horizon, unquote. There's a lot there for me, Wolf. I don't think the ownership situation is really going to distract this team on the floor now that it's it's on its way to being resolved. Agreed. Um, the Crowder situation does need to get resolved. It's interesting that he says the Aiton situation because really Aiton is signed for four years it's here. not going to get resolved. <laughs> so, I mean, there's, I guess we'll find out in mid-January if there's really something there. But the last thing he said about, you know, there's too much talent to miss the playoffs. I don't want this team to just be based on talent. The last, they've got a lot. Their starting five is yeah, nasty. Like, right. good luck matching up with that starting five. I'm worried about the depth a little bit. I still think they're going to do stuff to fix it. But this team had intangibles the last couple of years, and they may have those intangibles working in their favor this year, too, but we don't know yet. And that's right now, they do seem like a team that has a ton of talent, but we don't know what else they have yet. Uh, we're giving you the chance to win tickets to see undefeated international superstar Jake Paul as he takes on legendary UFC champion Anderson Silva at Desert Diamond Arena on Saturday, October 29th. Head to the contest page on ArizonaSports.com for complete details and your chance to win. When we come back, there is one clear-cut way to get the offense going against the Seahawks in Seattle on Sunday. Will the Cardinals commit to it, though? That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7. 
97.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Final segment of the Wolf and Luke Show here on this Wednesday afternoon. Wolf, I, uh, full disclosure, was a little distracted a little bit last segment because Victor Wembanyama's on one of these TVs, <laughs> and I didn't know for sure why they were showing this game, and then I just saw him like swoop in, and, and like, <laughs> even in this random game that they're showing on NBA TV, he is uh, he stands out among the other nine players on the court. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. That is amazing. It's amazing to me just how athleticism and stature sticks out in any sport you're talking about. Anything in a team sport, you can see it. And you can see it too when they're young. Uh You can see it when they're five years old, seven years old. You see it from an early age. They stick out how they move. Well, and he's obviously in that, that, uh, he's not in that range, but he's he's in that young range. And we don't, I mean, it's not like we have the sound on the TV. Obviously, we're doing this radio show. So you don't even know what game's on, but you're just like, ah, that guy. (laughs) is better than everybody else out there, and it's not close. Uh, Back to the Cardinals and the running game, Wolf, which I know you're big on establishing the run and committing to the run and attacking the line of scrimmage in general. But this particular week, it sure does make a lot more sense than than even it normally does. No, it really does. Um, The Seattle Seahawks, I'm not trying to belittle them. I'm not trying to laugh at them. I'm not. I've got a lot of respect for Pete Carroll and what the Seahawks have been able to accomplish, the great football team they've been for a long, long time and the the success they've experienced. But, boy, you watch their defense on tape and, oh, my goodness, they're just, they're bad. They're really, really bad. They were bad. supposed to be bad this year. Yeah. Seattle, as, as a team, was supposed to be bad this year. Yeah, but watching their their rush defense in particular right here, I want to read this to you. The Seattle Seahawks rush defense, they are the ol- only the ninth team in NFL history and first in nearly two decades to allow at least 145 rushing yards per game and two rushing touchdowns per game in three consecutive games. <laughs> there's, there's only been two teams in deck in two decades that have done that. Allowed 145 rushing yards or more and two rushing touchdowns in three consecutive games. First of all, I was shocked that there were only two teams in the last two decades. Yeah, that's surprising. Let alone only nine teams in NFL history have allowed that. And the Seattle Seahawks are the ninth. And if you're wondering, well, Wolf, I'm sure they must have played Derrick Henry. Um, let's see, who are the best running backs? Nick Chubb? Yeah. Uh, Dal- no, this is who they've played in their last three games. Okay. New Orleans. Okay, New Orleans has uh, Alvin Kamara. Sure. Detroit, hmm. who I don't even think had DeAndre Swift for that game. I'd have to double-check that. And Atlanta. Yes. Good luck naming Atlanta's running backs. They didn't have Swift for that game. Yeah. Yes, I know. It's just, honestly, it's they're not good. And you watch it on tape, and you see they're not good. The level of futility with this defense. Can you imagine being 31st in scoring defense? Would you say that's a big metric that really <laughs> bears a lot of weight? It's, it's a little extreme. Yeah. How many points do you give up a game on average? How many? They give up 30.8 a game. That's number 31 in the league. 30. Who's worse? Detroit? It's got to be Detroit. Yes. Yeah, okay. Okay, 30.8. 
That's a, but they're number 32 in yards per game allowed. <laughs> so whether you're throwing it or running it, you're gashing them for the most part because you're compiling an awful lot of yards per game allowed. And they're number 32 in yards per play allowed. And they're so much behind yards per play. I think it's one of the best metrics in the world to evaluate a defense and an offense overall. Yards per play. Like, what are you doing? Do you have (laughs) mental errors or not? They show up. They're hidden in that number. Like, do you know how to tackle? Are you a good tackling team? These are all very basic questions because that should be answered. Very basic. It really isn't yet. What are you doing? 32. And do Dead you know last. how to tackle? Yes. Uh, okay, for the Cardinals to exploit that, they got to have running backs. James Conner, I'm assuming, is questionable. There hasn't been an official injury report out yet, but he's dealing with the rib issue. You know you won't have Daryl Williams. You're not going to have Jonathan Ward. Here's Kyler Murray today was asked if he's been happy with the running game in general this year. Yeah, I thought, I thought we ran the ball really, really, uh, really well last game. Um, um, you know, just didn't didn't finish when we need to. At the end of the day, um, can't kick field goals. You know, that's uh, that'll get you beat. Kicking field goals in the red zone get you beat. So we, we got to score touchdowns. You know, last year we were scoring touchdowns, um, and uh, you know, so far, you know, we we haven't put the ball in the end zone enough. So. Yeah, I think we are all going to sign off on that can't kick field goals thing right now because a you need to score touchdowns and b. How confident are we that the ball's going between the uprights yeah. right now? We, I mean, just don't even rely on that if you can uh, if you can avoid it. More from Kyler on his confidence in Keontae Ingram if he has a bigger role on Sunday. I believe so. I believe so. I mean, played big time college football. Um, had a really good um, camp, really good preseason. Um, guys are confident in him. You know, he he just got to you know uh, trust, understand what we're trying to do this week, and, and go out there and play his game. Wolf, I want to get to this one too. This is Cliff Kingsbury today. They asked him if Eno can be the workhorse if he has to be. Yeah. He can. I mean, he, he did it in college. Obviously, it's a different level, but he's um, worked really hard. If this is his opportunity, uh, we have all the faith in the world that he'll go out and give us everything he's got. And I've been impressed with, with what he's done. Like I've said, um, over the last couple of years, the improvement and, and the maturity he's shown has really been impressive. So what I'm hearing from the quarterback and the coach is even if James Conner can't go and we know Daryl Williams isn't going, they still have the pieces to run at Seattle. Yeah, man, what I'd love to see that, honestly. I'd love to see the Arizona Cardinals come out and run the ball three consecutive times in a row. Okay, now if they get a penalty or something like that and it moves them back, no, don't run the ball. But all things considered right now, if they just lined up and said, we're going to run the ball three consecutive times in a row and see if we can actually move the chains. Put the onus on the offensive line immediately where it belongs in order to go out and whip the Seattle Seahawks team that is historically based on Historically bad. Historically, in terms of stopping the run, historically bad. Put the onus on your offensive line. Give them the opportunity. We're going to run three plays. They're all going to be running plays. And we're either going to move the sticks or not. How good are you going to feel if the opening drive of the game, the Cardinals have the ball and they move down the field and score? So we get rid of that no scoring in the first quarter thing. The only team in the league, obviously, to do that. And they do it primarily by running. Okay. Are we going to be able to hear the change in the tone of your voice during the broadcast? I'm just honestly, um, you're right. I need to do no, better. No, that shouldn't be. <laughs> because I do. I become should... forlorn. I do. I let it. I start wearing it during the game. 
That hurts. That shouldn't be too much to ask. Be able to <laughs> score in the first quarter and do it by running. All right, uh, it's going to do it for us here today. Thanks to Aaron Maloney, Jesse Morrison behind the glass uh, for Wolf. I'm Luke. We've got Burns and Gabo next on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.